Welcome everyone to the 62nd episode of the New Gen Mindset Podcast. I'm Dan Kozell here with Nick Tartaglia. I'm going to start this episode off a little bit differently and not ask you how you're doing, Nick, but I just want to ask you, who is winning the Super Bowl tonight? Uh, I think you're asking the worst person in the world. <laughs> I have not even know who's playing tonight. So exactly. So I mean, Nick's clearly not a sports guy, and I think this At is all. why you and I, you and I, work well so well together on on what we're what we're primarily focusing on, which is you know the macro finance, geopolitics, and investing world. Um, the Rams and the Bengals are playing tonight. And who's gonna win? I don't know. I really don't care. Um, I will tie it into some geopolitical risk. Why is it that the LA? city was awarded a super bowl when they don't have crime under control again open-ended question we'll leave it at that you don't have to answer it but um i think today what we're going to talk about is pretty much what's happening overseas uh and you know what's important to understand is that a lot of the stuff that's been put out in the mainstream right now is just noise mm-hmm. and it's causing a lot of confusion in the yeah. markets and now, that just causes tension among everybody Exactly. But I will say this. Um, I looked at the charts of Apple, Tesla, um, Netflix, all of these charts right now, man, they've got gaps at lower price levels. To me, it's got to get filled. Mm. How do they fill it? Create economic geopolitical tension, scare the market. That's just how it works, man. Um, now I'm not, I don't think we're going to come on here and talk about like, Oh, where we think this market is going. Cause nobody can do that. Anybody that does is selling you fucking snake oil, uh, and should not be trusted. And there's a lot of gurus out there, unfortunately that do that. So don't listen to those guys, but clearly there is significant tension right now yeah. in Ukraine. Um, if we recall under Obama's administration, Putin invaded Crimea, which was mm-hmm. a peninsula in Ukraine. Uh, and that was deemed a foreign invasion because yeah. obviously it was. And I think the thing that most people just need to understand is that the whole concept and the whole idea that this is happening, right, is because Europe is still trying to figure out whether the Ukraine is going to be part of NATO and, but, the, EU. and the EU. But the reality is I don't, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Because the moment that does happen, that gives Putin even more leverage to go after that. So that's what he's trying to protect, right? So I think what we need to do is just establish a little bit of context here and talk about, okay, this conflict has been going on for a while. Now, it was on pause when Trump was in office. Yeah. There was a reason for that. Trump basically put his foot down and said, if you screw with us, we will take action. Nobody Mm -hmm. wanted to screw with him. Mm Mm-hmm. The U.S. Was, you 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 saw it at least. You know, dislike, don't like, like, don't like, whatever. From an objective he, viewpoint, he did he did what he said he would do in terms of putting pressure on global leaders, especially the ones that wanted to, you know, do things that might not necessarily be humanitarian or whatever the case may be. But or he take advantage pressure. of American resources, exactly. and he it always did comes it. down to money. He did it. He did it with a lot of different nations, and give it because he was a man with confidence who asserted himself and spoke his mind. The moment we said it before everything, the moment you put Biden into office, everybody is objectively looking at the United States. People are not people externally. The United States are not deluded with this whole, oh, I hate Trump. I love Biden because I hate Trump. They're just objectively seeing who the leaderships are. They saw that the world, that the United States put a really weak man into office that clearly can't think for himself by straight default. That was already an indicator that, well, 
you can start applying more pressure as a leader because you know that one of the greatest threats of the world is not so threatening anymore. Then you have the collapse of Afghanistan. That completely showed how completely distorted their military is because of their leadership. That adds more fuel or more validation that, yes, the United States is weak. Then you have the vaccination tension. You have the internal conflicts. You have the, 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 the labor problems. You have the, the Fed you have the printing of money, you have the inflation, they're, they're self-destructing. This is a perfect environment for things like Russia and China to get aggressive because that would be the perfect environment. to do. You don't do it when they resettle and they restructure themselves and they get their heads back. You do it when things are chaotic. That's the best time to attack. And, and I think that's what the sort of, uh, I don't want to call it, well, I guess we'll call them what it is. They kind of are the enemies of dem- like freedom and no. sort of free market societies, right? You've got China, you've got Iran, North Korea, sure, um, Russia. Russia's a bit of a wild card uh, yeah. in this in this sack. I this just sense. want to say one thing about Russia. One thing for Russia is what's interesting to me in terms of this whole threat of democracy and freedom from a Russian standpoint is I think Putin sees how the West, the EU, the NATO, and all those organizations uh, enjoy control. And that desire to control everything as a leader makes me uncomfortable. If I'm going to have to fight someone who's always trying to seek control, I need to have some form of control over my environment in order to create kind of like an opposing force. And if I don't, then my ecosystem, which is a bunch of decentralized individuals who don't really know how to collectively gather their force, we can't really oppose NATO. We can't oppose the EU. We can't oppose the American. We can't oppose the Western nations because they are a collective force of like a uh, a to- like a, a totalitarian regime or a socialist regime type of inf- environment. So I think there's a little game or like a little chess going on with Putin where he knows that the only way for him to maintain a Russian culture and a Russian environment that does what it wants to do against these forces is by it doing what it's doing. Now, the question is, if let's say the West and the, and the Western nations and all that said, you know what, we have no desire to control other countries anymore. We have no desire to control our own people anymore. We want to apply more free market principles. The question then becomes, would Russia still be the way it is or would Putin shift his behavior? Because he knows that no, one, no one's a threat anymore to Russia. Now, that's something that I've always thought, because Putin's a smart man. And he's been, he, and people he's respect one of them. Yeah, he, he is one of the more brilliant minds that are out there. Um, he is going to remain in power indefinitely. There's no question. Um, And a lot of people don't like him because, you know, if you oppose him in your own country, they're going to go after you. That's just a fact. Um, But no, it's a very, it's a very valid point. It's almost like Russia has like that sort of wild card ability, depending on what, who is in power Mm -hmm. in the U S they're going to shift their focus or their strategy on. Now, there's all these conspiracies, too, and I don't want to talk about them too much, but about how there's like dealings with like these gas companies in Ukraine and like how it's tied to a specific special interest group that wants total control of Western societies. We're not going to get into that because we're going to look at this from an objective standpoint. But there's more and more evidence coming out almost on a monthly basis about the shady dealings that have been happening globally, not to mention the fact that, you know, John Durham who, by the way, came out and basically said that Hillary Clinton's campaign spied on Trump's presidency. There's evidence of it now coming out. I would anticipate more and more of that type of evidence, not related to the previous administration, but just globally just start coming out. And it's everything that like, okay, people who have been thinking about this stuff 
who are like, Hey, you're kind of seeing the trends. It's like, Hey, now the evidence is coming out and it's further validating the so-called conspiracy theories that are out there. Now it's unfortunate that, you know, that term has been weaponized since the 1960s, right? You know, if you were a conspiracy theorist, you were deemed very dangerous. Anything um, against the mainstream narrative is considered it, it, a conspiracy. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that really is getting taken out of context because it's almost diminished sort of the Western society's ability to just have a discussion about different topics. Yep. So while the distractions on the West, we've got, you know, a trucker convoy up in Canada right now. We've got, you know, all kinds of division happening in the U.S. because of different ideas that are like so extreme and, and insane and like it's just causing people to be so divided yeah. this ukraine and russia tension is almost taking the distraction away from what's happening back home right now yeah and it's almost like you know i don't think it's gonna i don't think putin is gonna invade ukraine i think he's just yeah. trying to scare people but what it's doing is it's creating this sort of tension that's making the U.S. appear even weaker than it was yeah. a year ago. And it's going to have significant impact on commodity prices. There's no yeah. question about that. I mean, we talked about this last week with oil and gas, right? Yeah. Russia's well, the biggest gas supplier to Europe. What mm -hmm. happens if that gets cut off? You're going to have higher gas prices. Exactly. It's the same thing. They're basically saying, and this is a very extreme scenario, if there is a war in Ukraine, which to me and you, I think we agree it's unlikely right now, at least in the in the next like three to six months, I don't think there will be a war. But if there is a situation where there's a war, do not be surprised to see oil hit one hundred and twenty dollars yeah. a barrel, maybe one hundred. And natural gas in the at least in the eurozone to go much higher. Yeah. So when 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 you when you take a step back and you look at the whole situation objectively, that's it's it's a mess. Yeah. It's an absolute mess. Um, and unfortunately, it's being you know people's lives you know middle class just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. People who've been working businesses and stuff, it's just, that's not a thing. It's, 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 it's an odd environment to see all this, this sensitivity because like the EU, those Western nations in the EU, you know, for example, they're really messing with their, let's say their energy infrastructure. And Russia has a huge impact on the energy infrastructure and in the EU zone because of natural gas. And then you have something like what just happened with China oh, two weeks ago, China and, and Russia made a 30 year uh, contract where Russia is going to supply natural gas to China. And it's not going to be in uh, US currency. It's going to be in the EU currency. So already that's a little threat to the, to the reserve currency of the United States, where you're seeing this expansion where global powers are starting to trade in different currencies. And when you start doing that, you're starting to show that there's less need for the reserve currency of the United States. So in my mind, it's like, well, if the EU starts playing this game where they start wanting to get into wars and conflict with everybody, like they could decimate their entire energy infrastructure and cause a massive inflationary environment where people, lower people, poor people, lower middle class, they can't afford any form of heating for themselves. It's like, I don't think anybody wins in this environment. What you might do is cause a lot of conflict to China and Russia in the short term. But at the end of the day, China and Russia seem to be partnering together. So in the sense where they're not going to get in each other's way and they're going to trade accordingly. I think the EU is going to do with themselves a lot of damage if they even try to get into conflict with Russia because they control the natural gas. And that that's going to have a lot of impact on their economies. It, it, and I think if there is ever a war or anything that does break out, I think it'll be more caused by the Western nations in the, in the United States because they somehow need to assert themselves as these alpha dominant men after looking like pathetic human beings for two years by playing these 
cowardly games with their citizens trying to control everybody. So now they're going to say freedom, democracy. So they're going to resh- they're going to shift their emergency powers to a new to, to a new threat, which will be Russia, because now COVID narratives are falling apart. So I nobody's going to win, but Russia I think is in a good position because they have they have a lot of resources that the the eurozone requires. So it, you well, know, it comes back. It, it comes back to one thing, and I think it just comes back to leverage. Yeah, okay, Ru- Russia has all the leverage right now in the system. But um, if, if you go back to again 2014 when this whole thing really started, um, the former prime minister of Ukraine fled the country. He just and that to me shows a so like it's a full sign of weakness. Um, he had no desire to do anything and he just packed up his, it's the same thing with the, the Afghan president or prime minister, right? He just got up on a plane and ditched his country. And it just shows you how money and corruption are just roiled all over the world right now. And that's like, you know, in a perfect world, it's like, we want to get rid of that, but like, that's just not how it works, unfortunately. And it's just, it's going to continue to be there. But, you know, now you've got a situation where I'm actually just baffled as to how, Nobody is just seeing how big of a smoke smoke screen this really is at the end of the day. But I think this next week is going to be a really interesting week in terms of market dynamics and how mm. it's going to affect pricing for a lot of yeah. these commodities. While at the same time, I'd be interested to see if there's actually an invasion plan that's being out, that's being pushed out there that's prepared by either Russia or the U.S. for that matter. Because, you know, the U.S. came out and they said if, if Russia and you know, decides to go on attack, we're going to use military force there. And it's yeah. just like, well, wait a minute, you guys have less than 600 troops on the ground right now. You know what I mean? So, and the question will, will they be able to put a narrative out there where people are going to be like, you just destroyed us for two years. Do we really want to accept our president sending more of our, our people after the Afghan collapse, which they were supposed to have been winning after 20 years? Do we want to accept this guy putting us into this new war environment where we're going to sacrifice our men? And are your women again for nonsense that it's mostly seems to be more driven by the West than the Russia itself, you know, like, I, I, I don't, from a political standpoint, I have no idea how they're thinking, you know, whatever tries to try gaslighting, creating a whole new image, whatever the case would be from an objective standpoint, I, I don't think anybody wins from doing what they're doing. It's just going to hurt everybody. And then they're going to cause more of this inflationary environment. So it deters this whole, it's temp- nobody can say that inflation is temporary as long as this be still, is still becomes an, it still is an issue. Cause as long as this is an issue, it's going to add more pressure to the system. So it can't really be temporary as long as this is still occurring either. I, I will tell you who does win in this situation. And it's not going to, it's, it's not, uh, it's not going to, it's going to piss a lot of people off, but it's the military industrial complex, Yeah, yeah. You're which, right. has been, which has been around for, you know, decades now. And those, it's a shady world, but those yeah. businesses and those investors and those companies that pretty much provide that type of supply to the, to the military, they're going to do well. No, you're right. And, I, and, what, you know, and the yeah. worst, the worst part about it is it's just like, you know, you, you for those that don't know what that is, you got to go back to, uh, you know, January of 1961. This was when Dwight D. Eisenhower was still the president, but he issued a warning. He goes, there's going to like you, can, the threat of the military industrial complex is so strong that mm. it just, it, 
it goes back to your point of it's getting rich off the backs of like innocent people. It's like the pharmaceuticals with this COVID emergency. It's that kind of same dilemma. Yeah, not to mention that Moderna's CEO sold 400 million yeah. of his shares. And he last deleted week. all his social media. So, so I mean, there you go. It's just the whole thing is just being driven by greed and yeah. the ability to control people, unfortunately. So, you know, I don't want to be ominous, but like, where do you go from here? And I think you have to look at it from, again, a macroeconomic standpoint and realize okay, how has the market been performing recently? Yeah. Well, clearly, it doesn't like this stuff. There's a lot of fear that's being pushed into it. They're trying to fix the charts. Like, let's be honest, there's some charts that are need to be fixed. I mentioned that earlier, but you know, there's a Fed meeting coming up in March, right? Where I would be, I would be surprised if they kept rates at zero again, mm-hmm. because then well, they, have setting... they, they have to. They have to. No, no, well, they have to. Exactly. I, I thought that, you were gonna say. I thought you were going to say, no, no, they should leave it at zero. No, no, oh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, have they, to, they have to raise rates. At that's the narrative now. Even Main Street, all of it, they're all saying you have to. Keynesian economists, Nobel, they're all saying you have to. The question is, do they, I don't think everybody agrees of how much, but they all agree that they need to. And then the question is, how much will the, how many times will they be able to rate hike? You know, some people are pushing 1%, some people are pushing quarter of a percent, some pushing half a percent. You know, the thing is, again, all this inflationary pressure that we're experiencing, the more the thing is, people need to realize is the more tension, the more chaos there is, the more people do not collaborate and get along, the more pressure you add into the system, the more pressure you add into the system, the harder it is to have sustainable and predictable outcomes, which means that price stability is unlikely when you don't have price stability, you're causing more pressure to the system. So that environment you know, it does not add to this whole it's temper transitory. I mean, I mean, some people are still pushing this narrative, which is ridiculous. I mean, you've been wrong for two years and you're still going to keep not uttering these nonsense words. So it's like, it doesn't matter if you raise interest rates, even if you raise it half a percent, you, you have 7.5% inter- uh, inflation. You're not going to do much damage. You're yeah, real- it's much more, by the way. Yeah, that, we're, we're using the artificially created CPI number that are altered to kind of create this illusion to gaslight or smokescreen the populace because obviously people don't understand economics, so they don't understand these. these but yeah, honestly, yeah, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, it's a, it's a big theatrical uh, design right now. The whole world is just setting up for some more confusion yeah. and more craziness, but. Um, yeah, look, that, that Fed meeting is going to be very crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, we're probably going to see stuff that is going to move that hasn't moved in the last, you know, three, three to six months, maybe even more at this point, right? So, and we're obviously talking about precious metals because yeah. we saw a gold spike recently and that yeah, could be a yeah. preview of what's to come. We're going to have somebody on in the next couple of weeks to talk about that in more detail for sure. But, you know, it, it's very difficult to see who like like we said who wins at the end of this everyone's everyone's going to get screwed um one way or another whether it be through high taxes higher grocery prices higher everything and the only way to get out of this is you know you either have to have more income coming in through the door than expenses um which and that's getting harder and harder for most people yeah it's it's a challenge and a half that's for sure you know but at the same time there's opportunity uh, just everywhere, especially in this new world that we're in of like, you know, digital and e-commerce and whatnot. Yeah. So it's tough. It's a tough environment. And again, I don't want to be ominous, but you just have to go find out what is working. Um, and there's a and lot then of you stuff. Know what, you know what's also we forgot? Just to add into this whole, you know, conflict dilemma is we didn't even, we barely even touched the surface of China and Taiwan. <laughs> That's a whole other dilemma that could, that 
if there is this pressure where people get into this conflict with Russia, Ukraine, EU, Britain, France, NATO, all that, in the background, because after all, remember, China is, a, is a, an incredible empire with an incredible legacy. They have some crazy games. They, have some, they had some insane tacticians in their empires. You know, they were known for military might and they were brilliant people. They even have one of the greatest games called Go, which is all about like, you know, uh, conflict dynamics on the board. And honestly, they could use that smokescreen or that conflict with Russia and Ukraine as the perfect opportunity to do what they want to do with Taiwan or with India. And if they do that, that can add even more global tension and conflict around the world. So like we, we don't know the next year, two years, there, there's so much geopolitical risks that can add so much inflationary pressure and so much conflict on a global scale. It's like, you, it, it's hard to be optimistic or really say, yes, things are going to keep going up. Things are going to fix themselves. There's too much global, global issues right now. And until those things are, you know, de-escalated or resolved, it, it's a wild, wild west right now. I, I think mentally you just need to prepare for possible recession. Yes, exactly. Uh, and that means whether you're holding real assets or maybe even just sitting on cash or crypto. Uh, just in case something gets really ridiculous, but it's always good. It's better to be invested in, in this market, but um, understand that for the next, I would say two to two to five years, it's going to be a very challenging way to navigate yeah. because 2020 was just like a massive sugar rush. Everybody yeah. was just buying stocks. You were making yeah. a fortune. Yeah. Now that's changed. The dynamics have changed tremendously. Yeah. Uh, we spoke about this last time with regards to, you know, just picking stocks right now. It's almost, it's almost impossible to, to find good names that are not yeah. centered around oil and gas or, or commodities at this point. Um, so again, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff happening right now that is very difficult to predict where it's going to be, but you just have to mentally prepare for a possible recession as a result of that. But yeah, especially if oil continues to rise, yeah, that, which, would, that, which, that, that could induce, that could induce the recession on its own. Yeah. And, you know, there was an interesting chart where Beijing, as soon as the Beijing Olympics were over in 08, that's when shit hit the fan. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen now, but it's just something to keep in mind because history often rhymes in the stock yeah. market. Um, going into the last, I would say, month and a half with Canada, this has been incredible. We've yeah. had a massive trucker convoy get absolutely serenaded by mainstream media, which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. um, and all people want to do is just get their rights back and their, yeah. their, get their freedoms back. Now, what's great is that the last three provinces to lift all their mandates were all in the Western part of the country, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta. They all yep. lifted their mandates. That's three out of the 10 provinces. The territories, I mean, they're probably, they probably don't even have any mandates because the populations are so small there, but we are, in, we are entering an inflection point in Canada right now uh, where I would say a significant portion of the population wants our leader to resign effective mm -hmm. immediately um, because he has just continued to sow division uh, into the country. Uh, and it's caused people to just be, you know, get their voice out, get their message out in a very peaceful way. <laughs> And unfortunately, what he's done is he's weaponized the media yeah. to basically call these people Nazis, white supremacists, yeah. racists, when like, I'm pretty sure a good chunk of the people are like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of African Americans in there too. Like, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Indian, every culture, every, literally everybody. every culture in Canada that is there is like at this thing. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, so I find it. Yeah. I just find it's very ridiculous how people are not seeing through the bigger picture of like, okay, we have a leader who hates who, who, when he says these people are a threat to our democracy, what he's actually saying is these people are a threat to my power. Mm -hmm. And it's sad because he was reinforced in that delusion in September and October when he forced that, you know, reelection thing and that him winning, at least he won, he didn't gain more power, but at least he maintained his power. And that maintaining of the power kind of, I think, added to that delusion that he is right in what he's doing and that he can't continue to do what he's doing because the people have voted him in. And that's where this delusion of democracy comes in, where just because you have a majority telling you you can do something bad, you are therefore in the moral right to do bad things, even though that's not how morality is supposed to work. And when people want to doubt, oh, so why does the media have to play this game or, you know, this whole conspiracy with the media? But if people, what, you know, if you go online and you go on the government website and you look at what governments, well, the Canadian government does with accredited uh, journalists and, and media sources, they give them tax incentives and tax credits. Those are the ones that are accredited by the federal government. So if things, for example, news, rebel news, which are not accredited journalists, they don't get tax incentives and tax credits. So they have no incentive to play along with the government games. But the ones that are accredited, they get all those benefits. So they have significant incentives from the government to do what they want. They get direct sources. They get the tax credits. So there is an incentive. And the government picks and chooses who gets these incentives. So right there, you have this partnership. It doesn't matter what you want to argue. That's just an objective fact. So, you know, you, you, people can doubt, people can tag it with the conspiracies all they want, but there's a lot of issues. And the fact is, nothing the media says validates the real world. It's just people are deluded in this reality created by this media and this television. They don't know what else they're doing. They don't know what to look at. They don't know what to believe. So they just believe the nonsense. And you're believing people that have an incentive from the federal government to get what they want. If they, if let's say CTV News, Global News, CNBC, and all our CBC, they shifted and they start being objective that goes against the mainstream narrative dominated by the federal reserve, the government, they'd most likely lose all their incentives. Why would they want to lose their incentives? They wouldn't be able to get all the salaries, they, all these massive payout salaries that they pay all their uh, managements and all that stuff. You know, so it's it's incredible how uh, getting some form of a kickback like that can influence people's behavior uh, to literally yeah. go against their own country. It's a scary thought, too, because, you know, politicians can all be bought. Unfortunately, I think it's just a fact. Right. Um, again, with O'Toole resigning. Yeah from the cpc or at least the i think the party kicked him out i don't yeah I don't he know got kicked happened, out exactly he, but, he got voted but, yeah. out yeah it's like you a know, votable that, confidence basically exactly so which speaks volume because couldn't do the job clearly and no again he was pandering to the same nonsense of lego yeah, uh, lego exactly. and trudeau the same yeah bullshit. exactly so i'd be curious to know uh you know if pierre polyver is the guy that everybody thinks he is mm-hmm. um are let's hope get, he is. Let's hope he is. Are we going to get out of this mess? Mm-hmm. You know, but my biggest fear is that every politician is just compromised one way or another. Yeah. You know, um, it's, when people, because the issue is, you know, 
I have respect for Poliev. He, he, he mentions a lot of great things. He talks about the economy. But the thing is, he just talks. He doesn't seem to put much more pressure than just talking. And the thing is, we're in an environment where t- little talks with people that don't want to listen to you, that people that refuse to listen to what you're saying, that people that think that you're lying, that you're a conspiracist, that, that, you're, that you're lying about the economy, that you're pushing this false narrative, that you're just gaslighting the Canadian population. It's like clearly you, your words are not are not being uh, are not penetrating their, their side. You, you need more than just words now. You need to apply much more pressure. You need to get a little dirty. You need to get a little more conf- uh, assertive because that's what we want now. That's what the population is. At least a, a portion of the population is asking for something different. Words don't work with people that don't want to listen to you. So that's the one thing with him. It's that. And then hopefully once he goes in, let's say he does, will he actually implement or apply the, the all these economic realities and logic and principles that he says he he wants the the Canadian economy to do will he do it again if there are if there are some liberals listening to this we're looking at this from an objective viewpoint right now because clearly what's what's been implemented now is is not working you know and the adage of hey you know in Canada it's like well you can you can't make everybody happy well yeah you can't but at the same time you shouldn't be telling people what to do and how to think yeah and then and, 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 yeah. and then and then and then mandate something that clearly hasn't been working mm-hmm. when we want to talk about trusting the science mm-hmm. the vaccines haven't been they, they haven't they didn't do what they said they would do they didn't the say what they were going to do so you have probably at the all time the, the trust in government and, and media, media right now yeah. is at an all-time low. Yeah. And, and people, need, a, to, yeah. and and people a, need to remember that happiness is not supposed to be found externally. It's an internal thing. If you're not happy with yourself, you don't find it internally, nothing anybody else does will ever make you happy. So this 100%. whole game of trying to get the government to make you happy, the government to make you feel safe, that's not how it's ever worked. Nowhere in human history. The only time you feel confident, you feel safe, you feel happy is when you find it internally. That's a basic premise of psychology, basic premise of stoicism. You know, it's like people have completely lost their minds and you see it. You, nobody can say nobody can say what we've done has been good for us. Every by most socioeconomic metrics, we have regressed and we have regressed hard and that's bad for us. Who, I don't want to see this. I don't care if you're liberal in the sense that you're a human being. I value your life as equal to mine. We but don't believe moment, in censorship, by the way. If we disagree with you, we'll have a discussion. Exactly. We're not going to be like, no, cancel this person. He's a, and he's the a, only way to ever build better ideas to innovate is through trial and error, to conversation, to, to discussions, through opposing forces. That's the only way to improve things. You don't improve things by staying stagnant. Stagnation is the death of all things in evolution the nature nature does not does not demand stagnation it demands progress demands uh improvement defend demands to push forward those are necessary uh behaviors that need to be found in economy and with human beings too so this whole game we're playing where we want to be safe and and be stagnant that's a death to us that's only gonna burn the next pop the next generation and the next generation my god they don't they, they will have no clue how to deal with any of this because they well, didn't create here, any of it. Here, here's the problem. And thank goodness there are schools now in North America that have gotten rid of the mass mandates yeah. because they've actually seen an increase in, uh, you know, a child's ability to not 
communicate properly. They're afraid yeah, to speech communicate. Impediment, they, speech impediments. Like, yeah. Speech impediment is going to be a problem for most of these people. Well, speech therapists came out on said it. We have never seen this amount of people needing our help. This is record levels. That's bad because people don't realize as a child uses vision, uses their uh, sensory feedback, touch, smell, hearing, sight, taste. They don't use words. They don't understand words. The only way to process things is by observing. As a child, I'm going to watch your mouth shaping. I'm going to watch your facial expressions. But you can't. And again, we're, we're veering off to like a psychology <laughs> thing, but it's it's like linked it's to all, the it future. All plays or, in, yeah. It's linked to the future of society where yeah. we are in an, on an economic planet, right? If yeah. you can't learn how to communicate properly at a young age, like it, it will always be divisive as a people. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I want to kind of just bring it back to like how this is all related to geopolitics. I mean, you've got countries right now that need to let people live. Yeah. They need to stop telling people how to think. They need to stop telling people what to do because clearly there is a stranglehold on power right now. Yeah. Um, and there's, and you know what? Good on the people for standing up. Australia yesterday, I don't know if you saw, millions of people marched in protest. Yeah. It's rippling in New Zealand too. Everywhere now because yeah. people are so fed up. They're just like, dude, give us our life back. Yeah. We've had it. It's been two years of this nonsense. And now you're going to throw a wild card situation about a potential global war yeah. to make it even more like, I, I don't know, man. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to remain as optimistic as possible. Like, you know, God willing, of course, you know, you're grinding, I'm grinding, like we're, we're doing our thing. And like, I, I think that's, a, that's an important thing. And you just got to focus on that. But at the same yeah. time, like, let's just like, get rid of all these mandates. It's enough. Yeah. It's enough. We've had it. Like people are like the ones who are getting sick. Okay. I understand that that's a life. I understand those are mm -hmm. people. I get it but it's not like it's killing everybody outside. Like you walk outside and people are dropping like flies. No. And you it's have to like remember pneumonia. the other, the other like consequences, the you know, you know the other deaths that you're causing on the opposite side of the equation by implementing the science, the poor people, the depression, the suicide, the crime rates, the anxiety, uh, you know, like people don't realize if you look at Japan, the conflict, they don't, they don't have any geopolitical conflicts. They don't have any war, but they have really put their economy in a very stagnated environment. And that environment they created has put a lot of social, um, socioeconomic pressure on the youth. Now look at the typical behaviors you see in the, in the youth in Japan, depressed, anxious, suicidal, addicted to video games, still living at home, cannot move out, don't have relationships, don't want kids. Like that's not good. That's a bad thing you've done to your, 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 your young generation. You've messed up their future and you did it because you wanted to create wealth for your older population. And you, and then you try to maintain that wealth because you built it on weakness and who, bur who burdens the greatest cost, the poor and the youth. It's always that cycle throughout history. And then the issue becomes, well, now when the youth realize that they got screwed over, do they want to fight? Do they want to create their own conflict? Do they want to destroy the older people? Do they want to revolt? Are they angry? We're, we're, we're perpetuating the cycle of destruction, chaos, and division because we, we're doing everything out of weakness. We're not communicating. We're not talking. We're not collaborating. We're not working together. We, 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 we seem to want to control everything. We can't control nothing. The only thing we do is talk and figure it out and move forward individually.
but that's not the game we're playing. We're playing this global controlling game where everything needs to be dictated by a central authoritarian narrative. Well, because everyone's looking at China and they're saying, well, if China's doing well economically, look at their system. It's, it's communism. Yeah, and right? it's so all why, being driven by manipulation of central banks, same way right. as the, the, the West did it with their central banking systems. So I want to end this more on a positive note because obviously it's like we've been talking so like it's it's just the reality. We're realists, right? We're yeah. realists. We're optimists too. But, but you can't just, you can't hedge if you don't talk about the risks though. It, it, exactly. So you know, going into the next three months, I think the important thing to watch is the Fed, their interest rates, yeah. what they're going to do. I'm pretty confident that that's they're, they, the only place they're going to have to go is up. Yeah. And the sectors that will do well primarily are going to be, you know, the precious metals, financials, consumer uh, staples, um, utilities as well. Real strong estate, balance will, sheet, strong yeah, balance so. sheet, and free cash flow companies. Real estate will be an interesting one because yeah. I feel like that's going to be sort of a shock to the system. Yeah. Um, real estate long term always increases. There's no question about that. The question is how bad or how deep of a pullback or correction will this be that's yet to be determined and if but, there's a recession or a sustained recession which goes into a depression or you get a stagnating uh financial market kind of like japan did for almost 40 years you know those are things that can create a downside pressure on the uh housing market especially if correct inflation does not get dealt with that also will add a, an incredible amount of pressure on the housing market Exactly. So I think those are sectors that you just have to, I mean, look, oil and gas are the reason, and we talked about this last time, but oil and gas are the reason the TSX is the best performing index in the world right now, believe yeah. it or not. 20% of the TSX is oil and gas. So that, that, that'll that continue to, to to rise here. And wait till precious, a lot of the, the TSX and the Canadian equity markets have a lot of like that of commodity, gold, precious metal companies, a lot of them. And also, if that performs well over the next two, three years, it, you might see the TSX be some of, have some of the best performing uh, assets in the, the world. Full disclaimer, I bought the TSX ETF, mm. VFFV. That's the S&P one as well. But the TSX ETF, very, you know, it's a safe bet. You're betting yeah. on Canada. I think Canada is actually going to be in for, if we can figure out yeah. a way to have another referendum, I think, and, and it gets to where it needs to be. And we elect somebody who's one competent, who understands economics, who's not obsessed with power. Yeah. I think Canada has a very, very significant recovery ahead of it. Especially yeah. if we go into this commodity cycle. Yes. Well, we live in Canada, a great place for commodities. So a hundred, a hundred percent. So that, that, if that happens for, for, for Canada, I think it could be very yeah. bullish. Yeah, exactly. Very bullish. And that could surprise a lot. But of people, we need so. a good political environment to allow that to happen. Yeah. And I would say, I think anyone that's listening to this right now would agree that our current leader, um, <laughs> who we will not name for the sake of names, but, um, he, his time is winding down, unfortunately. Um, and, I don't endorse violence, but back in the day, they used to do things to people like that for who committed treason or committed mm -hmm. acts of betraying their country. But we're in a different world now and we can't do that. But it's important to just keep that in back of your mind. You can still that, excommunicate him. Yeah, exactly. We, Take, we, remove think, his citizenship and you're out. You yeah. live wherever you want, but this country, we don't want you no more. Well, listen, the, the amount of the amount of money that he's made off the backs of our tax dollars over the last, yep. I don't know, since 2015, the guy could literally go to an island, retire, and just escape forever. And I think everybody would be happy about that. So, <laughs> Yeah, by all means, go enjoy your life on a line alone, but honestly, get out of this country. <laughs> done too much damage to it. Your so yeah, look, you're, we're, we're, we're optimistic, we're realists, but 
at the end of the day, it comes down to one thing and one thing only, like give us, give people back their ability to just be free. Just give us that back, give it back. That's all we ask at the end yeah. of the day. So that's it guys. I mean, Nick, what else, what else could we really talk about besides the fact that. Well, you, know, you said we- it right right now, looking ahead, pay attention to the fed, see how much the rate hike, see what's going on with Russia, Ukraine. Let's look at natural gas, oil. Let's look at Russia. Uh, sorry. Let's look at China and Taiwan semiconductors. Um, let's see that. Let's see how the convoy thing in North America goes. Those are probably the biggest things to look at right now in terms of a macro political landscape. And uh, from there, we have to see what that what's next. Yeah, um, we'll be watching it. I mean, during the week, I have a hard time uh, following what's going on. People are always DMing me saying, "Hey, have you seen this? Have you seen this?" So I only get <laughs> to it at the end of the, you know, at night when when I'm about to go to bed and I'm reading about what's happening. So I appreciate a lot of the people sending me DMs. I really do. Um, but at the end of the day, you just got to focus on your own thing. And that's, that's yeah. probably the most important thing right now. So we'll leave it at that. I think it's important to just be optimistic, but have a realistic perspective on like what's happening and just push forward, man. Anything is possible in this crazy world. Yeah. Honestly. Yep. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that guys. Thanks yep. so much for listening. And we'll see you next time on the new gen mindset podcast. Thanks guys. Take care.